Hey guys, Eric Lindine here. I'm the lead pastor of Mosaic Church in Maple Grove, Minnesota. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you for joining us today. I hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and transforms you, and that this is just the beginning of a conversation between you and Jesus. Enjoy the message. How many of you like to read? Do we have readers in the room? You're, you're diehard readers? Okay, I am not one of those people. Uh, I, have, I have busted out a book or two in my lifetime. Uh, I listen to lots of podcasts. I, w- I would rather hear things than read things uh, for myself. Even when I've been given assignments from uh, pastors or, or people who I have worked for and they said, hey, we're reading this book together, first thing I will do is go to Audible and get it that way and have it read to me as I follow along. So I am not much of a reader. However, uh, about 10 years ago, while on a mission trip to Pine Ridge Indian Reservation in South Dakota, uh, I read a little book called The 10 Second Rule by Claire DeGraff. Has anyone happened to read this little book? It's, it's, it's small. I'd be surprised if anyone has. Most of the times when I ask that question, no hands go up. So I'm not surprised. But in many ways, this little book has wrecked my life. It has uh, brought my faith. It has moved me from inconsistent to intentional. And it has moved me from passive to purposeful. And it's had such an influence that uh, I want to pass that on to you in the hopes and in my prayers that it will wreck your life as well. So all the credit here goes to the author, Claire DeGraff, and this book as I share some of the things that it taught me and hope to pass on to you, again, in hopes that it it wrecks your life as well. Now, you've probably heard of the five-second rule, right? It's, It's the one that is scientifically proven that if a food item drops to the ground and you pick it up and put it in your mouth, within five seconds, all contamination and bacteria will flee. So you don't have to worry about that. But the 10-second rule is completely different. But before I reveal to you what the 10-second rule is, I want to share with you a question that the author, Claire DeGraff, asks the readers. And so here's the big question. Based on how you live your life, what you're passionate about, how you care for others, how you spend your discretionary time and money, would your spouse, would your children, and would your closest friends consider you a casual Christian or a serious follower of Jesus? Now, I think most of us would like to think of us as a serious follower of Jesus. But what does that look like in the 21st century? Okay, if we take the apostles as an example, we'd proclaim the gospel potentially until uh, the point of imprisonment or torture or even death. If we take someone a little more recent in modern times, say Mother Teresa, Um, we'd give up our material goods, we'd let go of our physical comfort, we'd dedicate our lives to caring for the destitute and the dying. Now, you might be saying, Craig, what are you going to ask me to tonight? Okay, I'm a little, little bit nervous. Maybe you'd say, that might be what it looks like for the apostles. Maybe that's what it looks for, like for some missionaries. But what does that look like for an ordinary person like me? 
right? Just an ordinary person for a teacher, a cashier, a husband, a wife, a shop owner, an accountant, a bus driver, a stay-at-home parent for a child, a husband and wife. What does it look like for me? I believe that's where this 10-second rule comes into play for ordinary people just like you, just like me. It will help ordinary people live as serious, intentional followers of Jesus. So, are you ready for me to reveal to you what the 10-second rule is? Are you ready? You're ready. All right. Here we go. Drum roll, please. For us to live... As serious followers of Jesus, all you need to do is the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. Thank you. Good night. We are now done early. We can go home. Let me pray. No. Let me unpack it a little bit. Now, for some of you, um, this is not your first rodeo, and you've been around enough, long enough, because you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute, this sounds a little bit like that WWJD movement that took place in the 1990s. Do we all remember that? These bracelets hit Christian bookstores and swept across the country like loaves and fishes, asking us to consider what would Jesus do? So that's great. And having lived in the prime of the WWJD movement, That mindset for me was always more reactive than proactive. More reactive than proactive. Um, If somebody cuts me off in traffic and I raise up my hand to let them know how much I appreciated what they just did, I see my bracelet and think, what would Jesus do? Hi, thank you, have a nice day. Hope you get to where you're going on time. If uh, I'm at the church picnic, and simultaneously, Pastor Eric and I reach for the last slice of French silk pie, and my bracelet slips down to my wrist, and I think to myself, what would Jesus do? Eric, you take it. I, I, I don't even want it anymore. No, it's yours. And my cynical mind is, what would Jesus do? My cynical mind is, well, he would multiply it, but I'm not Jesus, so you take it. When I really want to do something selfish, when I really want to do something unethical, I look down at my bracelet and think to myself, what would Jesus do? It reminds me of Jesus' character, which is great, but to me, the 10-second rule gives us more more of a proactive and a practical way to live as a serious follower of Jesus. So here's the thing. For us to truly know what Jesus would do, and for us to truly know what Jesus would want us to do in any situation, we have to take the time to listen to his voice, to listen to his voice. Now, God most often and most reliably is going to speak to us through his word, through scripture, but I also believe he'll speak to us in other ways. It's not uncommon for God to speak to people through dreams, through visions, or through prophetic words. Now, some of you might say, well, God may reveal himself to others that way, but that's never happened to me. That's never been my story. And I want to acknowledge that and and relate to that and consequently talk about a way that I know that he has spoke to all of us. Um, a, a, A way that God has spoke to all of us even within the past couple hours. Here's what I'm talking about. 
The mode of conversation I'm referring to is the still, small voice that we read about in the book of Isaiah. In Isaiah chapter 30, verse 21, it says, Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, This is the way. The Mandalorian. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. We all know the voice. We have all heard that voice. Sometimes it's referred to as a conviction. Sometimes it's called a gut instinct. But the specific voice that I'm talking about comes from the Holy Spirit. We've all had times when we've sensed God wanting us to do something. Something like be kind or be generous to a, a total stranger or to resist some type of sin. It's an opportunity to be obedient and that opportunity is staring us right in the face. Now maybe it comes in the form of uh, sending an encouraging text message to an old friend. For whatever reason, you haven't thought about them in years, but they, they, their, their picture pops into your mind and you send them an encouraging text message. You can't explain the timing of it, but you just do. You just thought about it in the moment. Maybe it comes in the form of leaving an extra large tip for your server at Applebee's. Not because the service was that great, but you just felt compelled to do it. We have all had these impulses before. Sometimes we act on them, but I would say all too often we don't. All too often we don't. And have you ever asked yourself why you didn't do what you were reasonably certain Jesus was asking you to do in that moment? Could it be that almost immediately an uninvited second voice jumped into the conversation? It's almost like that, that angel and devil scenario on your shoulders, right? It's the tale of two conversations going back and forth in your mind. When you're driving down the road and you see that someone needs help on the side of the road, you hear the one voice that says, Yoo-hoo! You should help them. You should see if they're okay. But then the second voice chimes in and says, Hey, man, could be dangerous. I'm sure help is on the way. So you keep on driving. Um, maybe you're sitting at your computer and you know what will happen if you click on that link. And you hear the first voice which says, Yoo-hoo, it's a rabbit trail of horror. <laughs> honor your wife, honor your husband, don't you dare. And then the second voice jumps in and says, Hey, no one will know. This will be the last time. Or when you get that voice message, again, from Pastor Eric, um, you, you get the voice message from Pastor Eric asking you for last-minute help to unload the moving truck for Gertrude, who just moved out of her home into assisted living, and it says, hey, are you available to come help unload? Yoo-hoo! You don't have any plans. Your schedule's wide open. She has no family around, and she just turned 103. <laughs> and then the second voice comes in. Ah, what if you throw your back out again? 
I'm sure he's found the help that is needed already. <sighs> and you go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Right? It's that, that second voice. I know the voice. And maybe you've heard the voice too. I heard a voice distinctly telling me to share the gospel with my neighbor, Matt. Matt was a little rough around the edges, a few years younger than me, but I could hear him tinkering in his garage on vehicles from time to time. I could hear a smoker's cough through the walls. <laughs> and I'd listen to this other voice say to me things like, don't embarrass yourself. Don't impose your beliefs. You're only going to push him away. Maybe he'll come to you and say, hey, I heard you're a pastor. Share the gospel with me. <laughs> and I put it off and I put it off. And then one day I got home and Molly uh, was there in the house and she says, hey, Craig, sad news. Matt was found face down on the carpet in his house. He passed away. They don't know how long he was there, but he's dead, right? Gut-wrenching. I know that voice all too well. It's, it's the voice of reason, I assure myself. It's, it's the one that rescues me from foolish impulses. It's, its job is to make sure that I don't do anything stupid. Its purpose is to make sure I don't do anything to embarrass myself. Its objective is to make sure I don't get taken advantage of. Its mission is to make sure that I don't miss out on some private pleasure that I feel like I'm entitled to. It's the safe voice, the smart voice, the guardian of sensible obedience. I figure it's probably the same voice that the priest and the Levite heard on their way to Jericho. And have you noticed this? If you procrastinate long enough, the broken down car disappears in the side view or rear view mirror. The guilt fades away and life goes on. And without really thinking about it very much, most of us, like the religious leaders on the road to Jericho some 2,000 years ago, we automatically count the cost of obedience as too high. It's too high. We choose disobedience because it appears to cost us nothing, at least in the short run. You see, practicing the 10-second rule in my life, in my marriage, has been a great way to put my faith into action, and I believe to live in the 21st century as a true, serious follower of Jesus. But because I'm my own worst enemy at times, I need to use a very important principle that gives power to the rule. Here's the principle that gives power to the rule. It's the one that makes it work. When you're reasonably certain Jesus is asking you to do something, do it immediately. Procrastination is not your friend. Do it within 10 seconds. This gives you a practical way to shut down the voice of reason, to quiet that voice. And by the way, when I talk about this voice, I don't mean an audible voice. I have heard 
that people have said that they have heard the audible voice of God. And that is possible. I'm not here to debate that. Um, I've not had that experience personally. And, and to be honest, I get a little nervous when somebody comes up to me and says things like, hey, Craig, God told me to tell you fill in the blank. As a matter of fact, at my previous church, I had just taken the job as the high school pastor just a couple months into my role, and we had a, a, a prayer service at church, and, and a, a man who I would not met before walked up to me, and he said, hey, the Lord wants me to tell you that you're going to have an amazing job opportunity come your way. I thought, well, that's interesting. I feel like I just took an amazing job opportunity, so, so maybe that's still coming, or maybe the Lord's a little bit late. I'm not sure. But lo and behold, month after month, year after year went by, there was no amazing job opportunity that came my way. And again, I've heard enough people that I trust tell me they've heard an audible voice of God, and that's possible, but I would never stamp a thus saith the Lord on anything without absolute certainty outside of Scripture. As a matter of fact, I had a couple of friends uh, not that long ago uh, I had Aaron tell me one day, he said, hey, uh, Craig, guess what? God told me that I'm going to marry Allie. I said, Aaron, that's awesome. Allie is an incredible girl. I think she'd make an amazing wife, an incredible support. Kid you not, the next day, Sean, my friend, a mentor to me in a lot of ways, said to me, guess what, Craig? God told me that I'm going to marry Allie. Wow. <laughs> Either God's speaking to one of those two guys, or one of them heard from the Lord and the other didn't, or both of them think she's incredible, think she's beautiful, think she, they, she would make an amazing wife, and are projecting their desires and claiming that God has spoken to them because it's what they both desperately want. Long story short is Allie married someone else, Aaron married someone else, and Sean got deported because he was in the United States illegally. So there's that. So when I use words like impression or voice, it's more like a thought that arrives with a strong feeling that it's coming from one of the Trinity. It's, it immediately feels right. It immediately feels true. These impressions often will remind me of something I learned in Scripture, a story, a proverb, a parable, or a command. And the voice is always, always non-negotiable, consistent with Scripture every time. It's consistent with godly character every time. If they're not, they're not from God. Let's be honest, there have been some horrible things that have been done in the name of Christianity that are ungodly and unbiblical, am I right? Right. In the book of John, uh, chapter 10, it says that the watchman's, uh, watchman's sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers. Verse 14 in John 10 says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. See, Jesus' followers recognize his voice because they've studied his words. 
They've studied his life so intently, and they've developed a spiritual ear for God. When they dive into the word of God, they search for his truths and his voice like hidden treasure. Over the past few years, my family has uh, made annual trips down to Fort Myers Beach in Florida. Due to the recent hurricane, we did not make it down this year. I have not seen it with my own eyes, but I'm told the place is absolutely obliterated. The beaches, the shops, uh, the homes are gone. My family uh, and my in-laws have a condo up on the fifth floor of the building. It's still somewhat intact. They've had to have some work done, but we haven't gone back to see it. But when we are there, one of my daughters, my wife's favorite things to do are comb the beaches, to get to Sanibel Island, to get out on Fort Myers Beach, and to look for hidden treasures to them, sea stars and uh, um, uh, shells and what are they called? Sand dollars, right? All these things, they're hidden treasures. They're hidden treasures to my daughter. In the book of Proverbs chapter 2, starting with verse 1, it says, My son, and you could put the word my daughter. My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commands with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding... Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. Don't we all want to understand the fear of the Lord? Don't we all want to find the knowledge of God? Dig and spend time in the word and search for it like a hidden treasure. And this brings us to another foundational principle of the 10-second rule. Here it is. The more you know about the teachings and the character of Jesus Christ, the more confident you'll become in following him. The more you know about the teachings and character of Jesus, the more confident you'll become following him. It's got a mind of its own. Hopefully it'll come back. Now, if you're new to the faith, if you are an infant in biblical teachings, let me break down a common sense approach to hearing the Lord's voice, all right? This is Simplicity 101, common sense approach to hearing the Lord's voice. If you think you hear the Lord's voice, if you feel like the Lord is directing you in a certain way, I want to challenge you, stop, turn around, do not enter, proceed no further, go back if what you hear will hurt someone, including you. If what you're about to do is going to hurt someone, including you, it's not the Lord's voice. If what you're about to do or what you think you hear will damage your integrity, it's not the Lord's voice. In most every situation, if it is illegal, it's not the Lord's voice. We can talk about some exceptions to the rule, but generally speaking, if nothing good will happen, it's not the Lord's voice. And finally, if your pastor, your mentor, your parent, your spouse would not approve, especially all of those combined together, it's not the Lord's voice. Now, 
maybe you've become all too comfortable with ignoring the Lord's voice, right? You're sitting there going, guilty as charged. <laughs> maybe you've done some things that you regret. Here's the great thing about the 10-second rule. Here's the third principle. The 10-second rule gives you a place to begin following Jesus again. Right now, whenever you find yourself drifting spiritually, just start right now to do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. Forget about the past, look forward, and listen for that still small voice. Now, besides times where maybe you've just blown it, you've made a decision you regret, um, you've done something wrong, besides those scenarios, I'm willing to bet there are some people who have just felt, you just felt stuck, spiritually stuck in your life, kind of, kind of in a rut, and maybe even right now. For those times, those moments, you, you, you love God, you believe the gospel, you're trying to live the good Christian life, but you're feeling spiritually and emotionally flat. Maybe you don't know how to begin again, you don't know where to begin again, you're living what the author, Claire DeGraff, calls the beige Christian life. If that's true of you, there's some options, Okay. To pull yourself out of the rut, you can purchase a new car that you can't afford. You can go buy an outfit that you're only going to wear once. You can uh, buy a library of self-help books. You can go on a silence and solitude retreat. You can uh, go on a spiritual pilgrimage to Israel. You can do all these things. Or to get out of that rut, to get yourself unstuck you can follow the 10-second rule. Just do the next thing you're reasonably certain Jesus wants you to do. Just begin following Jesus again, right now, and whenever you find yourself drifting spiritually. I have students who will often say things to me like, Craig, I just feel, I feel stuck. I want to I experience God the way I did at camp or on the mission trip or on the retreat. And I say to them, you know what you need to do? Walk into the grocery store and don't leave until you've shared the gospel with someone. You will get unstuck like that. Your faith will become exciting to you again. Do you have anyone in your life that um, maybe you're not getting along with? What do you think Jesus wants you to do about that relationship? Listen to the voice, move forward on what you feel the Lord asking you to do, and you will feel his presence in your life again. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6 when he said not to worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will take care of itself? It's kind of like Jesus is saying to you and to me, just start here today. Trust me. Just do the next thing I direct you to do. Uh, I want to talk for just a second about the search for certainty because there's probably some of you who want to know that you know that you know that you know that this is the Lord's voice. You are not going to budge until you know that you know that you know that you know. And maybe your personality is like Gideon's where you want to know that an impression is from God. You're not going to budge until you get a figurative uh, sign like, uh, you know, dry ground and a wet fleece. And then once you get that, you'll, you want a dry fleece and wet ground. So if that's you, you'll love the fourth principle. The fourth principle that gives power to the 10-second rule is this. 
The rule doesn't require that you be certain an impression is from God before you obey. You don't have to have certainty. The need for certainty is often the enemy of disobedience. The enemy of disobedience. Now, with that being said, you need to use the rule with some wisdom. You have to use some wisdom. Some decisions in life are so important, they have such major implications that you need to take some time to prayerfully, carefully listen to God. So I wouldn't advise the 10-second rule um, for monumental decisions like who you should marry. Probably going to take longer than 10 seconds for that. How many kids to have? Let's have a conversation. Let's pray about it. What job you ought to take? Probably not whether or not to serve in leadership. Probably not the 10-second rule when it comes to a major investment. Probably more, you're going to need more than 10 seconds if you're going to decide to adopt an entire village uh, from an orphanage or, or an orphanage from a village in a third world country. These have major implications. You need prayer, you need time, you need godly counsel, you need wisdom, especially decisions that are going to impact more than just you, your spouse and your family. So honestly, the 10 second rule is, is probably best reserved for resisting everyday temptations, for um, acting on godlike impressions to be kind, to be encouraging, to be generous. Maybe, maybe we even call it uh, entry-level obedience. But now let's think about it for a minute, okay? If you misread God, if you receive an impression, if you feel that Jesus has spoken to you and asked you to do something, you're reasonably certain, and let's just say you were wrong. It wasn't that long ago where my wife anonymously bought a pair of shoes for a janitor at a health club. She looked at his treads, noticed they were worn down, I believe even mismatched. So she just guessed at what his size was, dropped them off anonymously at the desk, and said, could you pass these on to so-and-so? If she misheard God, if that wasn't from him, she still treated someone with dignity. She, 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 her heart was in the right place. And so if you do something, your heart's in the right place, you may treat someone with dignity, you've still done something generous from another human being, maybe you've kept yourself out of a sinful choice, one that you know full well is wrong, so then the argument is made, how can that not be the will of God? Right? How can that not be? I also frequently hear from students that I've worked with through the years, things like, man, Pastor Craig, I just want to be used by God. They, they, they envision themselves on a global scale. They want to start a nonprofit. They want to be a, an influencer um, for the world to see. But you know what? It's been my experience that people who are not faithful in little things will rarely respond with faithfulness when given a higher calling, or with a significant moral, uh, moral dilemma. You want to know why? Because they haven't developed the habit of obedience in little things. It's those little things. Listening and responding to the voice of God develops spiritual muscles. 
spiritual muscles. And that'll bring us to the fifth and final foundational principle of the 10 second rule, which is this. Christian character is shaped less by your big dramatic decisions than by the cumulative impact of thousands of small acts of simple obedience. Thousands of small acts of simple obedience. And many of us, maybe like the students that I was referring to, have also dreamt of doing big things for God one day. Maybe going out onto the mission field, maybe starting our own nonprofit, maybe uh, getting rich and being able to give away large sums of money to people who need it, starting an amazing ministry or to, to sing powerful, moving music before the church. But there are very, very few, very few of us that wake up each day longing to be faithful in the little things of life. The little things which are the building blocks of a godly person, a godly marriage, a Christian legacy. So I'll say it one more time. Godly character isn't won by doing great things for God. It's won by the cumulative effect of being faithful and obedient in these little assignments from God. We often have no idea why God asks us to do them, but by faith we do. By faith we do. The most common way that I've lived out the 10 second rule in my life is by being faithful in little things that nobody sees and there's no glory to be found. Maybe it's uh, unloading the dishwasher so my wife doesn't have to do it. And then not reminding her later that I did it. It's found in picking up a piece of trash on the ground. Going back into the church building when you see the light has been left on. It's found in slowing down when the Canadian geese are crossing the road rather than trying to take out the one that looks like it's in charge. <laughs> Little things. The purpose of the 10-second rule is to help us develop a habit of obedience, baby steps of obedience. And that's exactly what Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4. He says, have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Rather, train yourself for godliness. For while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. So we could pray right now and say, Lord, make me more godly. Make me more like you. But I wonder if the Lord would say back to us, train yourself. Train yourself for godliness. The 10 second rule is an exercise plan. It's training ground to put our faith into action. It's training ourselves to be godlier. A couple of winters back, I was driving home for dinner, trying to be on time for dinner, and I was at the intersection of Douglas Avenue and Rockford Road in Crystal. At the corner is a veterinary clinic, and a bus was pulling away from the bus stop in front of the building. Next, I saw a man running after the bus, 
yelling to the bus driver, holding a cat carrier, which I assumed meant he had a rodent inside. It was raining, it was sleeting, it was cold, it was a gross, yucky day. As I saw him running after the bus, that's when I heard the still small voice telling me to see if he needed a ride. A couple seconds later, that's when I heard the voice of reason telling me, don't be late for dinner. So about nine and a half, 9.9 seconds later, I made a U-turn, rolled down my window, asked if he needed a ride, and as he hopped in to the back, I quickly sent a text to my wife, said, running late, 10-second rule. I asked the man uh, where he was headed. He said, not too far, just up the interstate to Duluth. <laughs> he, he didn't say that. <laughs> he directed me to his apartment in North Minneapolis, just a few miles away. Um, but Molly and I are used to the 10-second lifestyle. Not uncommon uh, at all for me to send or to receive similar text messages that just say 10-second rule. We had plans, maybe something we thought was set in stone, but then we get the 10-second rule, and that's all we need to know. Great. Can't wait to hear about it when you get home, right? So if you want to seriously wreck your life, your ordinary marriage, your ordinary job, your ordinary days, take this rule, apply these principles. It's an exercise plan to put your faith into action. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and just quickly recap as they come these things. When you're reasonably certain Jesus is asking you to do something, do it immediately. Do it within 10 seconds. The more you know about the teachings and character of Jesus Christ, the more confident you'll be in following him. The 10-second rule gives you a place to begin following Jesus again. The rule doesn't require that you be absolutely certain an impression is from God before you obey. And finally, Christian character is shaped less by your big dramatic decisions than by the cumulative impact of thousands of small acts of simple obedience. So church family, what is Jesus asking you to do? Is it a coincidence that it's Compassion Sunday? I don't know. Ask the Lord. What's the next thing you're reasonably certain he's asking you to do? If you follow this rule, I guarantee it'll kickstart your faith and wreck your world. Father God, thank you for the truths found in your word. I thank you for this book and this author whom I have never met and probably never will who has used some principles and a lifestyle to kick me in the rear to live as what I hope and pray is an authentic, serious follower of Jesus. Lord, we all fall short and we've all ignored the voice, but God, I just pray that from this day forward, from this moment on, we would turn our ears towards our good, good shepherd, that we would know your voice so incredibly well 
that it's not going to take 10 seconds. It's barely going to take one for us to respond when we sense your direction and your calling in our life. Lord, you have given us the ears to hear. Now give us the faith and the courage to respond to what you call us to. We pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us on the Mosaic Maple Grove podcast. I want to encourage you to take the message you just received and allow it to go deeply into your soul. Let Jesus do the deep work that only he can do. A special thank you to everyone who gives to Mosaic Maple Grove. Your generosity allows this message to go out into the world. You can be a part of the Mosaic tribe by going to mymosaicchurch.com. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Thanks again for listening. Grace and peace, my friends.